Hi, and welcome to Song Divers, an interview podcast about singer-songwriters. We like to go deep in conversation with our favorite musicians in search of honest answers. What are the ingredients of a great song? What makes a songwriter tick? Can a musician make a living these days? Is Jason Isbell overrated? What? My name is Stefan. And this is Ed. And we're picking up where we left off with one of our favorite songwriters on the planet. Before we do, we want to get you listening to some goodness. Vintage Trouble just came through town, and their episode is coming soon. Go hear those guys so you can get ready for an amazing upcoming interview. We also implore you to go give one of our past guests, James Anaya's new release, a listen. He performed the tune on our show earlier this year, and we're so delighted to hear it fully realized. We think you'll get it stuck in your noggins, too. And make sure to check out some of our favorites on tour this holiday season and through early 2020, including the great Lyle Lovett, Nathaniel Rateliff, John Prine, and many more. If you're in our hometown, keep up with Ruth Eckert Hall and Billheimer Capital Theater to catch the good stuff. And as always, we appreciate any reviews and ratings you can leave us on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook and share your favorite Song Divers stuff with your friends. Please and thank you. And Song Divers is brought to you by Feedback Straps. The Song Divers team made a trip to the Pacific Northwest earlier this year to see our friends at Emerald City Guitars in Seattle and Benson Amps in Portland. We also ran into one of the coolest makers on Etsy, Sarah from Feedback Straps. Sarah is every bit as cool and unique as the handmade and eco-friendly straps her company makes. And if you want to make sure your instrument or camera is outfitted with the same caliber of style, make a visit to songdivers.com feedback to get strapping. Now, to part two with Ellis. Hi, this is Ellis Paul. part two of our episodes with contemporary folk music legend Ellis Paul. If you're just picking up here, that's great, but we do encourage you to pause and go back and listen to part one with Ellis. There's some references to topics we cover in part one, but you'll be fine and love it in any order you choose. We just couldn't find enough of Ellis's golden nuggets to leave on the cutting room floor, so you're getting a second helping and one of our favorite guests yet. Ladies, gents, and everything in between, we bring you more of Ellis Paul. We'll start things off with Ellis performing I Ain't No Jesus, the lead-off track from his latest release, The Storyteller Suitcase.
never saved a soul Never walked on water Except ice and snow There's a rumor in the choir I'm just luckiest guy they know But he ain't no Jesus Never saved a soul Ain't no Buddha who I struggle with wrong from right. I ain't no Prince of Peace. I've hit the floor in a good bar fight. I'll ask forgiveness come Sunday, asking for trouble Saturday night. But I ain't no Buddha. I struggle with wrong from right. No, I can't walk. The only miracle I've seen is you walking down the aisle with me. No, I can't talk to God. I ain't divine. The only miracle I've seen is I can call you mine. I know. Sailor than sailor, I'll put a hammer on a thumbnail. Swear so loud to close heaven's gates. But I built you a four-post bed now, darling. Don't make me wait. I ain't no carpenter. I'm more sailor than sailor. No, I can't walk on water. Can't parse.
first time I heard one of your songs and um, there's pro- probably a third of the acts we've had on here over the past eight months uh, probably fall into this category where they could go out in a town in, in the US somewhere and hear somebody covering their music mm-hmm. so there's a great it's a cover artist um, yeah, I remember him telling me the story I was like you have the most incredible voice why are you not doing this like I just can't I haven't cracked it writing man I just can't do it but he's he is a single speaker on a stand and a beat to hell Yamaha he plugs in and it is the most dialed in perfect song his name's Greg West Local dude, he's hitting beach bars and stuff. Really nice guy. Phenomenal musician, but he's a cover artist. And he covers Angel in Manhattan. Oh, um, really? And I heard that nice. 15 years ago. Um, you know, in my hometown where I grew up, he was just out playing when I we were out with my parents and I was mesmerized. That's the first time I really fell into the first where I went down the Ellis Paul rabbit hole. Oh, right. Know? Nice. Um, but it's interesting. I, I'm curious, A, have you been out and heard somebody covering your music before? Like, have you had that experience? Yeah. Yeah, I have. It's been great. I was at a conference uh and I was playing, I was playing like a, a, the lobby. It was kind of a, a big show for me. And there were like 200 people, but there were other people showcasing all over the place. And I'm playing my songs and I could hear the bleed from the next stage over. And someone else was doing a showcase and they were playing one of my songs <laughs> at, their, at their showcase. And I was like, wow, I think that's the first time Ellis Paul has been played in two places. <laughs> Out at once and uh but i get you know i get those harry fox letters and um and they are the publishing royalty Mm -hmm. um claims for all of my songs and so i get to see when someone is doing one of them suddenly i get this message from harry fox that you know hey that's being covered and then you know i can go online and find out who it is and where it is. And there, you know, people in France doing one of my songs oh, and I get to hear it's that it. It's granular. You can actually see who, if who they've got it up on Spotify right, or YouTube, yeah. I can track it. Oh, yeah. cool. I just, yeah. someone's doing a Christmas song of mine right now. Uh, and uh city of silver dreams, it's called. And I, I you know, I was opening up, I, I let the Harry Fox stuff pile up, you know, cause mm-hmm. they, they, they send like six at a time. And, um, I just opened them the other day just to see if there was anything interesting in it. And, 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 and I found this Christmas version of a cover of mine and, uh, it was great, like way better than my version. Sugarland had covered it. It's better than their version. And, uh, yeah, know. we know the guys in Sugarland yeah, oh, all right. and, and all of them. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. That yeah. yeah. produced one of my records. He's really, really yeah. great. Yeah. I'm hoping yeah. him and Annie are going to come on when they come through town here. So, oh, super. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're great people. Absolutely. I, I love yeah, them. Yeah. Um, that's super interesting that, 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 that's of another venue to see where your music is um, Yeah, that I'm sure again, depending on what level of your career you're at, you're not necessarily having that experience seeing where all your songs are. I should say too, Greg was doing you justice for sure. Yeah. He did the song. Oh, good. Did the song all right. Justice. Yeah. <laughs> I got to ask, what are you playing? Tell us a little bit about this Taylor you got. Uh, this is a Taylor custom guitar, uh, concert size. It's got a sharp cutaway and it's made out of Coca Bolo and Adirondack Spruce. Um, the, the Coca Bolo has two tones. One's very blonde and one's kind of a dark, dark brown burgundy kind yeah. of color. And that's, that's the difference in the color is just where the sap line ran through the wood. Wow. And Bob Taylor, uh, who owns Taylor guitars, picked out the wood for this guitar for the guitar place that I bought it from. 
place called Oklahoma Vintage Guitars, and they have me in for concerts. They're no longer open, but I've played there a few times, and I found the guitar there. It's got three horses running up the neck and two, two or three tones of wood. I guess there's three tones of wood there. And really beautiful um, abalone around the circumference of the guitar and uh, the sound hole. There's a sharp cutaway. It's about traditional depth, I, I, isn't it? I mean, it almost. I think the two-tone almost gives it like an optical illusion that it looks yeah. a little thinner. Yeah. But yeah, it's... and I, when I first saw it, I thought, what has he got on his guitar? Like, I almost thought it was like <laughs> right. some kind of protective like, molding or something. Right, but it's just the tone of the wood changing. It's awesome, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 my big body guitar. I, I have a collection of four guitars, and they're each of varying sizes, from mm-hmm. parlor sized, a couple Martin guitars, um, to uh, a standard dreadnought style guitar to to this monster. Is it so? Is that your road warrior, or is that also your favorite? Uh, it's kind of my favorite, um, and I have two others in my in my vehicle right now that I bring out, and um, one of them strung as a high strung, so I get sort of a mandolin vibe from oh, cool. one yeah. of them and uh yeah but they're you know they're travel partners with me and every time i'm driving I'll, I'll bring multiple guitars but if i'm flying i'll just bring i call this guinness this guitar all of them are named but this one is called guinness because of the you know because it looks like that yes it looks like a guinness <laughs> yeah yeah so. stout the, yeah, yeah stout with a head on it yeah yeah, yeah. that was thank you for performing that for us that was oh, excellent my, yeah. my pleasure has there been a couple songs that like like you wrote that one and it was like, okay, I just reached another milestone in terms of songwriting. Like, do you have some songs that to, to you, that are really special, not because of the subject matter, but maybe that's part of it, but that are, they're really important to you in terms of you're like, that was a high watermark where I knew I had reached another level or, or, or it made yeah. it, you know, it, it hits the audience a certain way when you, when you play it. And I wonder if Angel Manhattan is one of those. Maybe it's not, maybe I'm having, that's my personal response to it. <laughs> yeah. How, how human of me, but. Well, you know, uh, with Angel in Manhattan, it, it was, um. God, I got lucky with that one line. It's Angel in Manhattan is a, a fictional song about an angel falling to earth in Manhattan and gets picked up by a cab driver. And mm-hmm. it's almost like a little movie that takes place. And eventually, you know, crowds come out to see her and and uh, she meets the mayor and there's paparazzi and all these things that happened. And, and uh, there's a reporter that asks, you know, uh, how do we know you're... You're not some actor just dressed up as this, and you know, trying to call call out the person, the angel on bullshit. And, and I love the response to this. Yeah, and then the angel says, you know, the, the, the real question is not whether you believe in me; it's whether I believe in you. And then the That's angel so <laughs> flies off. Yeah, you know? and you know, some lines, as you guys know, as songwriters, some 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 lines just come through your pen, and you can't explain where or how. How much weed had you smoked? No, no. <laughs> By pound, if you could give us the actual weight. I think yeah. we, let's get into tonnage. I think the, <laughs> there's a constant fire burning around that one. Yeah. Uh, but again, you know, I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, I wish I had edited. I wish I had the editing skills because I think, you know, it's a six and a half minute song. It's mm-hmm. one of my longest songs and um, I never would let that fly. I, you know, I'd get to that that one scene quicker and more you know but but i wonder does it tell could you have this and this is just it's one of those forever questions Mm -hmm. because it's already been released out in the ethers but does it have the impact it has because you're able to tell that it's character development you know it's it's place it's setting it's character development um in the song it moves you know it doesn't feel like a six minute song it feels it feels like it feels like a movie that you're interested in watching yeah yeah and i'm I'm proud of it and I, i definitely feel like uh 
you know, I was surprised by people's reaction to it. You, you put out an album and then people seem to gravitate to certain songs on the album. And that was one where they, they insisted on hearing it all the time. And, uh, which is, a, a, you know, a great testament to how good the song is. And so, yeah, I did learn a lot from that. And, and, uh, so what are some others like that? Oh, by the way, uh, on that one, Taxi by Harry Chapin. It's another eight-minute song or something like sure. that. So there's a reference to a taxi <laughs> yeah. driver okay. and a conversation. Again, like referencing the songs that I feel like yeah, we're feeding that. the information of that song and doing a little homage to the taxi driver in that. Um, and I would put Scarecrow in a corn maze in that in that vein. Hurricane Angel. Oh, yeah. Those, those tend to be more contemplative, longer story songs and... Uh, Mm-hmm. Creating a character, taking them through a, some kind of crossroads and and uh, setting and and uh, plot and uh, you know there needs to be an antagonist, you know, showing up. It doesn't necessarily have to be a person, but sometimes it's it's war, mental illness for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Scarecrow in a corn maze. It's the police officer who empties a gun into the guy and um, and with you know this is the skeptic in, in Angel, Angel in Manhattan, Manhattan. yeah. Right. So and that's the thing with the story song. There's got to be some, some darkness, somebody that's testing the waters who, who needs to come in. And, and, uh, and I love those songs. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think of those, the great story songs of, you know, obviously Harry Chapin, Jim Croce, um, some modern country songs like uh, the one that Miranda Lambert did about the house. It's my house, or I can't remember the name of it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, 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 uh, it's just strange that you're telling somebody else's story, but somehow it's your story. And, you know, it gets to that point where, wow, I, why am I so moved by this? You don't even know why in some way they're, they're telling some part of your own story that, that really connects with you. And then you get sucked in. Tell the man Who repairs the wings for angel That one has fallen among The mortals on bleaker stream I lent a hand She looked up at the steeple As if to blame them for job required trying the hard parts avoiding buildings and concrete spread the news cause there's an angel in Manhattan got out the paparazzi and the television crew let the people Print the headlines up in the New York Daily News It was just another day Like any other other day A Tuesday afternoon I held 
to be understated not that we are but the musical component of that you know those words with a different melody maybe don't hit you the same way because it is such true of the song you just played i mean with with any of your songs true of the song you just played but fitting the music and the way that that touches you and the way that it lays a foundation for you to receive the messaging of the words is Mm -hmm. so important because uh, not to put her down but i like i'm not looking for a six minute song from kesha you know, and I, and I don't know that anybody's ready to hear that. She's not an authoritative, you know, yeah. uh, voice in that same regard, which isn't to say that she doesn't have something to say because she, she does certainly. Yeah. Um, and her last record was really great for in its own right, but but a totally different way. You know, you're you're writing to tell a story and maybe she's too, but there's a whole another way her audience is receiving that, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's not to be understated that the the guitar playing, the music, the musicianship is so important there. You know, at some point I wanted people to recognize my guitar playing. So, I, was, yeah. uh, you know, I wanted that to be another reason why people came out. And uh, when it was notable when I saw the guy cover it, too, because I'm like, that's not an easy song he's covering. No, it's in an open tuning. And uh, I don't know how he does it because I do it on a high strung. So uh, it's it's hard to adapt it. He's to. done it so many times. He's just he'll go. I'm going to do Angel Manhattan. He just he just quickly tunes it by ear and goes and oh, then he wow. co- turns right back around and I'd tunes love, it back. I'd love to see it. <laughs> That's great. So he's better than you, basically. I don't no. mind that. Really, whatever. <laughs> I'm teasing. You know, you want you you look for those moments when Jimi Hendrix did you know all along the Watchtower, and it's like yeah. Then Dylan started doing a cover of his cover of his own song. <laughs> this is know. a tune by a guy named Jim. <laughs> yeah. That's what, what, you want. what else you got for us? Well, I'll show you. We had talked about you know trying to raise the bar and and. Um, what does the songwriter songwriter play when he just um, feels like sitting down and doing it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you mean as far as. Uh, no, no, to Ed's point, like, yeah, what do you, what do you got for us? I, we're, I'm interested to hear where you go. Yeah. Well, hear. this is one of those songs where the guitar led. And um, and I'll just ask, you know, the listeners and maybe you guys as well. This is a, a place where I definitely wanted to do a guitar-driven song. And um, that's all I had going into it. I just wanted the guitar to be great. So I'll play you the riff. And maybe we'll have a little conversation after, and you can Please. tell me what you think the riff is about. Okay. Like what would the subject matter of the riff be? 
So that's the riff I came up with. And again, this is where the guitar is driving everything. Oh, yeah. So I don't know what I'm writing about yet. All I know is I just wrote this riff that I want to sing something over. So what do you think this song is about? I'm getting a very like, I mean, how, how descriptive do you want me to be here? I'm feeling like almost like, like uh, kids on an adventure almost, you know, like mm-hmm. this sort of like a little bit of like you're, you're heading somewhere um, adventure, a little anticipation, excitement. Yeah. But it's, there's a little bit of a journey there. And that's right. some, again, there's that cinematic feel to what you're doing. And is it happy, sad? What's the, it's t- happy. I, happy. I, I feel, a, mm-hmm. I feel a happy, it's happy. Yeah. yeah. Optimistic, mm-hmm. maybe optimistic, but not without some, just a little complexity in there too. Right. Something's going on. They're searching for something. Yeah. So like, that's exactly what I wrote about. It's a, it's a song about traveling with a girlfriend in California, seeing all this beauty and trying to remember that, I was going to say also some somebody you you have an intimate relationship. It's a little with. bit of a romantic. Somebody, there's some yeah. romance going on in the chord changes, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll play it now. And it's it's about um, you know trying to keep you know I was in Big Sur, California. That's where it comes uh, from, and it's so gorgeous. That's there. inspiring. Yeah, but you can't afford to live there unless you're. <laughs> really a multimillionaire or taking care of a multimillionaire's place. And, right. uh, and the frustration of that is in this song too, but um, I'll play it for you. It's called uh, Slingshot. The fog is up and the moon is rising Laying a blanket white on the ocean for you Are you living Two-lane highway, California, beautiful woman beside you. Scolding you, are you living in the moment now? The world could use a hero, cause lunatics are running the shop. I'll be your one-man army, I've got a stone and a slingshot. We could build a castle Or a cabin on this very spot With a view of the ocean And all the money we don't got That we don't got Beside me, it colors the way 
I think it's interesting. I still, you, we're kind of contemporaries age-wise. Yeah. I still think in terms of albums, you know, people don't always these days, I don't think, yeah. uh, for obvious reasons. I think the people but that, really to me, love you do. That song, it's not the last song in your latest album, but it's near the end of the album. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's in the middle somewhere. Floats it's around. such a great song. Five or like, six. It could almost be the lead-off track. Like, it's that good. It's hard, like, you know, and hard to choose. Yeah. And, um it could have been. We we, en- we ended up going with uh, I Ain't No Jesus, and I think that guaranteed that everyone would at least get on bass with the album, I think, mm-hmm. in listening, because it was, it was, it's pretty, and it builds nicely, and it's right. got a great harmony vocal by Larry McAllister. And it has so. a little bit more of an emotional tug. It just has a something Yeah, but we thought about going about it. bigger and, and uh, you know, you know, but then again, everyone listens on shuffle now, so it's it's, right. it's just strange. Um, right. See, I, I and the, yes, predominantly, yeah. certainly true. But when you're looking forward to specific artists that are writers, as you know, writings their crafts. So like I'm, I talk about it on here. I'm a huge Dawes fan. So yeah. Taylor Goldsmith and I, that's him, Blake Mills, any of those guys. I'm listening front to back on their records, and they're thinking in terms of sequential tracking and 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 i can and i can hear it and i can appreciate it and i don't know if that's because i'm a musician also i I hope that it's not um yeah but i think that that is important because sometimes the setup of the song before the song is just as important oh totally yeah yeah totally i mean you could you can ruin a wreck you could ruin a good set of songs with a bad sequence Easily, I could have done it on on, on this record. You know? <laughs> well, and you can confuse the listener too because they have you know a song by itself has a, an emotion, but a record as a whole, you can have a really diverse record if it's sequenced right too. You know, yeah. like songs yeah. that can sound yeah. like they're from different times and genres, and the genres can mix. You know, I, j- not to reference one of the poppiest of the poppiest, but John Mayer's pretty good about that. He's mm-hmm. all over the board in terms of you know genre and influence, and I think of records like you know. Uh, I think it was a heartbreak warfare and like continuum, you know, and it's all over the place in terms of vibe and influence, but it's the yeah. sequence is so important there to allow you to do that. Right. Right. I, yeah. I'm interested too about that song. Is that something, are you referencing things that are recent or is that like a really distant memory? Oh, distant memory, but still big Sur's played. I've taken, you know, whoever I'm in love with whoever that woman is to big Sur. I've taken all of them, all of the major loves of my life, my, uh, you know, Right up until most recently, actually. So I think I've brought five, five women there. So I'll say, well, plus, Alice, you take a song here, don't you? You're like, no, only the ones I, don't, I love. I don't. If they listen to this podcast, they'll be busted. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, ladies, but I, yeah. you know, I kind of want to. It's because he loves you. 
I love them and I want to see how they react to that environment. Like if I put them in that environment, are they going to, are they going to be as blown away by it as I am? And I, I kind of, it's almost like a litmus test. If you can get through this place with me and I sense that you love it like I do, I know that we have way, way more to learn about each other. And, and cause, um, there's history there. There's, um, obviously art there. Uh, there's a, a literary history and art history. And, and then just just breathing the Pacific West. Yeah. And then Henry Miller and, and, the, and yeah. you know, all of that to me is a litmus test for who the people are and how they, you know, how they function when they're surrounded by that much beauty and art. And, uh, so yeah, it's be, it's a really important place to me. I love that you verbalized the litmus test part. <clears throat> so much of this podcast and the people we choose to bring on here are people that have touched us in some way. We've heard them and they have an impact or they're meaningful to the two of us in, in mm. some way, shape or form, whether they're big national acts like yourself or somebody else. But um, for me, it's funny that music is that thing for me. Like, yeah. does the person I care about or I want to be with, is that girl sitting down and are they experiencing that song or is it impacting them in the same way to right. the same point you said, like, are they sharing an experience and do they have the same depth of, you know, capacity to feel in the same way? And therefore how yeah. much of a fit is this? Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And it tells a lot about a person, you know, when well, music, music is about place so much too, yeah. you know, like, especially you don't necessarily, well, I mean, Manhattan is called out in this song, but th- there is a lot of place in a lot of your writing. I mean, shit, it's Oklahoma on your headstock, you know? Uh, right, yeah. So, but yeah. yeah, I think that that's really, really interesting. Um, I also want to ask, kind of flipping the subject, what chord are you, what, what tuning are you in right now? I'm in, uh, it's an open G tuning with a bass C. So it's C, G, uh, D, G, B, E. Not to get too technical for the non-music listeners, but that is an important thing because you're going to hear a lot of different songwriters. Else is a lot of open, different tunings. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched some of the instructional stuff that you've done, but is that something you talk about at some of your retreats? Because getting into different tunings is a whole nother foray that gives you a whole nother vocabulary to write with. Right. And and I do it, you know, because I need bass lines. So the guitar is... Yeah. I mean, that gives me a bass player in the band. And it's, it's also a, a wobbly string. So when I need a snare hit... Just yeah, you've got percussive. Cl- I yes. get a close snare sound, and then between, mm-hmm. I get so this bigger dynamic range out of the guitar by using open tunings, and um, and this is a Joni Mitchell tuning. So that's where I got it from, and uh, and I call it Open Joni because she's the signature for that, that tuning. Yeah, yeah. So, I recently did a show where we did Nick Drake and Joni Mitchell. So it was all these, alter, everything was alternate tuned. That's like and the half an hour of the show is just. Yeah. <laughs> There's 12 guitars, right? I had a guitar tech bringing me. Oh, guitar. you did? Wow. wow. And some of Joni's later tunings were really weird, like low B on the right. E string. Yeah, and yeah. Like, the strings actually drooped. <laughs> <laughs> this actually has a low B on it. I, I tune it down half a step. So yeah. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. a B right there. Mm-hmm. So it's an open G, but it's down half a step. So in a way, it's open F sharp with right. with a B bass. What's really stands out to me in that song, because um, that some of that song is like I could hear like a Springsteen Born to Run band approach to that for a mm-hmm. lot of it. But there's that great little like, is it adversity? What is it? But there's a there's a minor note that you play there that's yeah. that. Yes, ah, uh, it's so mm-hmm. ominous. And it's. And it's all done with the thumb. It's a nice it, way to break up. It's the, like, it's sympathetically ominous, I yeah. think, is like what I kind of give. But it's... I like that. And it's and it's such an inverse 
a beautiful dynamic to the rest of the upbeat major feeling. Uh, of thank that song. you. Yeah, I worked very hard on the on the guitar part on this. Even the the dismount the. Just coming up with that riff took forever. Yeah. Because I had to think, what do I wanted to do? And I sang the melody to myself, and then I found the melody on the guitar, and then I added a second string for it. It's it's that it's that feather just slightly coming from the end, <laughs> right, at the end exactly. of a yeah, movie right. or something. You know, it's just, yeah. It's, yeah. I love it when guitar, you know, it's just, it, the guitar is a puzzle, it's a partner, it's, um, you know, it provides color and mood and... Um, you know, the lyrics to me are like a black and white movie. And then you're putting all of this color and vibe in with the melody and with the guitar part. And, and, uh, you know, and I feel like I, I want my guitar parts to not need a band. It's easy to add them. But mm-hmm. when I brought the band in, I said, don't play over the, that's going to be, I told the bass player, get out of the way. That's that, the hook. That's a hook. So it is. you don't need to mess with it. Yeah. Right. So the, you know, I said, this is, they wanted direction from me. I said, just play around, create space. Don't fill space, create space. And, and uh, they are the kind of players that could take that kind of direction and then do beautiful things. With I was always impressed with the way, um, I think maybe Peter Asher was producing James Taylor at one Same time. Thing. It was a pretty big production, but you always heard James Taylor's guitar part was yeah. the driving force. All that. You know? <laughs> Whatever yeah. that little riff he does. <laughs> right. It's, it's, but it's, that's same. all that nuance, you right. know, that can yeah, get yeah. lost. And, and I think as we talk sometimes um, about just, that war on sound waves, you know, yeah. and it's, everything's going square and, you know, but that, that if everything's too compressed and there's too much going on, you don't hear anything, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and your songwriting, especially because to your point, you're putting an effort into making sure the guitar part is also saying something. It's not just there to help you put lyrics over. Right. And you go into a student, I think a lot of your listeners will agree with me that, you know, you go into a studio and you get a day and these guys haven't even heard the song yet. Right. And they're playing all over it, you know, and, you know, you, you've orchestrated your guitar part so that all of the nuances are driving the song and the mood and all of that. And then you invite all these professional studio musicians who may be great. Mm-hmm. And then they just tumble all over it with these, you know, guitar solos mm-hmm. and fills and drums. And, and uh, you know, to me, the I... I make sure that people respect the orchestration of the guitar part, especially on this record, because it was the first that I ever produced. And I wanted my my playing to lead the band rather than me being sort of absorbed into it. Um, And that way, all the nuances of the guitar could be preserved and people who love my guitar playing get to hear me as Mm -hmm. an instrumentalist. It's important. Not just a songwriter, but... Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and you can tell that I worked hard on that piece of music, you know, and... uh, so it's a, it's really just a matter of finding the players that can be creative and add to it without creating um, distractions in, inside the song. It's mm-hmm. such an interesting dynamic. You talk about that part about you know wanting to show off your guitar playing uh, because for people that aren't in the space, but in whatever space or, or craft that you're in, even if it's just you know socializing or or to the professional environment too, that type of thing, right? Somebody who goes up and just shreds during sound check. Versus somebody who doesn't do anything versus somebody who's like, I, I want you to know that I can play, but it's I'm not trying to show off either. It's kind of the, the, like the handshake, right? Like you give a good, firm, meaningful, polite handshake that lets you know you're there versus like you squeeze the shit out of somebody's hand or you give the dead fish. Yeah. <laughs> but there yeah. is a dichotomy and a dynamic there 
um, yeah. in the musical community around that sort of thing. And, and people don't necessarily realize that if you're not in it, but there is a thing. People notice those sorts of things. And I, you know, I, I don't, I don't consider myself to be a great guitar player, but I am a, a good orchestrator of the guitar parts. You know, I, I, I'm a good arranger mm-hmm. and, um, which means I don't know scales and riffs, but I can invent arrangements that support the song really beautifully. And I know how to do walking bass lines and, and counterpoints to the vocal melody within the guitar part and, and set up so that I'm building tension within the guitar part. So when the chorus comes it you know, and those things take time and, and, uh, and they're really as important to my art as the lyric is now. So how I construct that guitar part, I think is probably the second most important thing I do. At the risk of sounding like a, a true fire commercial, don't, I think there's a segment in your song factory series is a song factory. Yeah. But song factory is the channel, but I think a there's a, a specific lesson plan based around intros, acoustic right, guitar yes. intros. Right. So it's it's nice to hear you talk about that because it is an integral part of your songwriting process. Yeah, yeah. how do you pull in the people into a piece of music? You know, right. how do you pull them in and what the guitar, you know, and especially as an acoustic player. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want to just start, well, you can. You can great songs have been written just CFG and person starts out strumming, but you know, what you really want to do is have that little introductory moment that people like are already in it's only five seconds into the song they're they're already in the palm of your hand right and how do you do that without going on too long right how do you capture that you got 10 15 seconds to do the you know So when I'm playing that in concert, like there's no harmonica on the record, mm-hmm. but I don't play it on the intro because I don't want the harmonica right. to be that instrument that's spoiling the, right. the soup. Mm-hmm. Harmonica comes in on the second version of that after the first chorus. So right. I'm building tension and orchestration within mm-hmm. the song. And yeah. dynamics are really important, especially when you're a solo artist and you're playing by yourself. That's like right. the harmonica adds another, there's another color now to the picture right, and right. it's new. So if it is a longer song retelling a story, now there's something new there that just rehooked you again to like, okay, this is now it's interesting mm-hmm. again. Yeah, I'm following the story, but I, I think that's interesting. I think within that too, part of this part that Ed's talking about is you want to make sure you're playing well enough that you have the musical capacity and the vocabulary to tell the story you want to tell. But also you don't need to use too big of an effing word if you don't need to, right? Like I just heard yeah. an interview with the Lumineers where they're talking about how they went down this rabbit hole of just playing super complex stuff. And then they realized that like nobody gets it, you know, and like it doesn't need to happen. Like you yeah. can just play a normal G if you're telling the right story and the right feeling. Absolutely. There. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the story doesn't want those nuances, <clears throat> just wants simplicity and clean, you know, clean entrances. And, right. and that's fine too. Yeah. 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 That's so, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's a, I've loved that intro. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to hit save real quick. And I think, we now it's time to segue out of. Uh, I think we have okay a lot of material. Yeah, we have enough. Okay. Not that I, not that I don't want more. Do you want more songs? Yeah. Can we? Do what, are we gonna, what do you want to do? We go out with something. How are you sure? I'm good. Yeah. Why don't we do one more and I'll just make sure I'm in tune here before. I love this because one of my favorite things to do is. A capo high up on the net neck, yeah, like a here comes the sun, you know, kind of voicing. 
Right, right. It's how high is the capo on, on Here Comes the Sun? Um, I it's feel about like, where you have it. Yeah, I think it's it really? one, one down from there, maybe. Yeah, but he's up in the like 11s and 12s, you know, fingering that out. I think it's seven of maybe or yeah, I'm trying to remember. It's such a great. I was talking about perfect intros. Yes. Like, oh my gosh. That that song is a complete masterpiece, and the intro is one of the best parts of it, just because it pulls you in. I was gonna say too. I didn't mean to cut you off, but but that's one too that like as a player, when you go and sit down to learn it, you realize just how much is going on. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. people think about it like da na 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 da, like, but there's way more. Yeah notation and stuff happening there and complexity than you even mm-hmm. perceive when you're just sitting down to listen to it casually. You can I, you can underplay it and still have it come across yeah. as being the song, but when you play it like he plays it, da 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 ba ba da ba ba da da ba it's great finger picking. And the other thing I love is like you talked about how you worked so hard on your outro. Yeah. I love how his outro he just voices the the bridge part quickly. On the way out, I can't he, remember it. Yeah, you know the part where oh. it goes da 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 da. Oh right, middle part, right? Yeah, right. So it's like an F voicing, yeah, as opposed to a D voicing. And it, it's like a walk down the stairs, and then exactly, and, and, yeah. So he combines the intro and right. the bridge into his outro, and, and then he like, ends with the armpit fart <laughs> out of nowhere. Brilliant, yeah. <laughs> I think that was Ringo Starr. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think yeah. it was an armpit. <laughs> <laughs> that was that low bass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that's funny. Hey guys, this is Steph here, and I need to get something off my chest. The truth is, I have guitar playing insecurities. Pretty big ones. I mean, I can hold my own, but when I hear guys like Ed pick up a guitar, I realize quickly just how narrow my scope of knowledge truly is. My best friend, writing partner, and all-around guitar stud, Colin Ryan, confessed to me recently that he's been subscribing to Truefire to expand his musical vocabulary. I told Ed about it, and he was curious too, so we made a visit to Truefire's site and were blown away by how diverse and comprehensive Truefire's courses are. We were also really impressed by their educators too. Well-known musicians, Grammy winners, and touring performers. A few really cool ones that stood out to me were Luther Dickinson, the North Mississippi All-Stars, Dweezil Zappa, Sonny Landreth, and our guest, Ellis Paul. Any lingering reluctance to sign up was quickly extinguished when I learned that over a million guitar players from around the world are already using TrueFire. I downloaded the app, and I became one of them. So if you want to join us at any skill level, head over to songdivers.com TrueFire to get started on our favorite musical education platform. So shall we do one? Yes, yes. please. And, and this yeah, one man. again uh, as is probably a good uh, the intro. Pockets, his thumb was in midair on a road in Millinocket. A six string guitar, his girlfriend's locket going my way, my way. And I 
Now for a dream, he left the mills, he left the bricks, left the mortar. I told him I could take him to the Massachusetts border. He sang like a jukebox on an endless roll of quarters down the highway on a bright, lit, sunny day. Oh, he'll never be this young again. The train conductor's calling your ticket if it ain't now when the mountain top ain't gonna wait for. Thank you for sharing the little like Easter egg thing about 
paying homage to other songwriters <laughs> because the first line of that song, you, I met a walking man. Oh yeah, James Taylor. James Taylor, right? Yeah. Now I'm going to notice all the. Like, there's <laughs> little, almost. I wouldn't say every song, but there's yeah. a majority of my songs have a reference point. If I'm thinking like, what's the mood of the song? What songs have done that before? What songs have talked about that kind of character that you pick up on a highway? And I kept on thinking, well. Walking Man by James Taylor. Walking I picture like walks. somebody, yeah. So yeah. you know. So had you actually picked somebody up that inspired that tune? There's some really specific descriptions in there. I love the part you mentioned about the girlfriend's locket. That yeah. seems like a really specific artifact for it to just have been made up. Uh, it's it's me picking up myself. You know, like leaving Maine, leaving a small town, leaving all those dreams with you know a, a, a guitar and a bunch of songs and just you know and having a girlfriend at the time who was sort of funding the whole thing <laughs> behind, behind every great male songwriter there's a girlfriend paying rent that's, that's awesome <laughs> and I had one of those early on too and uh, so yeah it's uh, you know I know a lot of female songwriters who have the the sugar daddy doing you know helping them out early on too you know it's uh, it's mm-hmm. all it's all good whatever you know I think everyone knows that um Anyone that chooses this path is, it's uh, paved with poverty in the initial steps, no matter what you do. And uh, so a lot of tolerant loved ones, uh, you know, help with the details until things get up off the ground. Mm-hmm. So uh, that one, that one is definitely referencing those things in my life. And you picked up on the right song and, uh, you know, and I love doing that. And it's no difference that it's the exact same thing that uh, George Harrison did with James Taylor as well when he wrote something. Right. Something in the way uh-huh. she moves. And James Taylor had written that song already. And, yes. And um, George Harrison took the line and he wrote something. Right. You know. Yeah. A great so, Taylor song, too, that almost kind of, you know, that first album released on Apple yeah. didn't quite really fly. No. And then after Sweet Baby James hit, like... Kaboom. That song kind of found a new life I yeah, guess, yeah. eventually, but what a great one, an early tune from him. Well, and again, he's so. talking about a guy who can construct a guitar part. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. he's, he's he's so great at it. And he sings like a bell. Mm-hmm. You know? just, mm-hmm. The pitch is perfect. And he's aware of the enunciation and the wrapping of the tone around the of whatever syllable he's singing. He's just... Mm-hmm. Very, very conscious of, of uh, what noise is coming out of his throat. And uh, whereas I just like, you know, bend and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you yeah, force it it's out. The yeah. Dylan, the you gotta Dylan, muscle it. It's the Dylan method for me, uh, you know. Just and to, I appreciate you contorting yourself to work the mic there because we, they weren't ideally placed. But I, yeah. I noticed you were like, I better move in like, and pro. I better move He's out. A <laughs> I, I wanted to be comfortable, but. Yeah. Uh, Thanks. I, as we're talking about other influences here, I'm curious. Much like comedians don't watch a lot of comedy, are you listening to a lot of music? And Uh, and who and what do you listen to? Well, you know, I listen to a lot of comedy. Uh, I listen to a ton of comedy. In fact, oddly enough, I've been on this Don Rickles kick for the last last month. (laughs) I think I may have seen every single Don Rickles moment that's available on on YouTube. Which is to say a lot, probably. Because he's yeah. had a long career. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot. A lot the of Johnny, Tonight Show. A lot of Carson that. stuff. Yeah. A lot of the Dean Martin roasts. And uh, mm-hmm. and I've done the same thing with Dave Chappelle and, um, you know, uh, who else? Uh, Louis C.K. Uh, um, 
Richard Fryer. I just, because uh, they're all storytellers. Sure. And for the live craft stuff of like improv and, uh, you know, someone like Don Rickles, he was a put down comic and he was a rarity uh, because he managed to make a career out of it. And those guys generally don't, didn't mm-hmm. last long. But there was this sort of underlying love that he had for the people that he was putting in. It's odd right. that it came out, but he'd never be able to have a career now if he was starting. Right. Um, but by the end of it, uh, you know, he was on. He did a round of talk shows, and he must have been in his nineties. And uh, everybody was just egging him on, just to just, go, to, just yeah. to go after, go after Asians, go after blacks, go after gays. <laughs> yeah. That's what we want you to do, because you're the last guy that can 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 make fun of those people and uh, and kind of get away with it in a way that's loving and right. you know, yeah. and, Where everybody's and, in on the joke. Yeah. So, but watching the improv skills, how quickly he is. Uh, responding to things that are said and he's got some pat stuff that and that's one of the tricks I wanted to figure out like what things are continually coming up with him that he's using you know frequently when he's in a stuck joke position you know where he needs to come up with something and he yeah. he does the leg lift a lot to indicate he's having some sexual arousal yeah. thing and, you know, there's little yeah. tricks little that he cues. does yeah. yeah he does those frequently but um, so there's there's that and then you know if um one of my contemporaries that I listen to puts out a record. I tend to live with it in the car quite a lot. And and if it's somebody, uh, you know, like Sam Baker or Antje Duvacad, mm-hmm. my two of my favorite peer songwriters, put something out, I'll, I'll definitely get that. But And then, you know, I'll just kind of tap into the Americana stuff and listen to Isbell and uh, Patty Griffin and... and you know, yeah, the people that I care about in, in that genre and in the, over on the singer songwriter side and, and folk, um, I tend to keep my ear to the ground. And, you know, again, I'm always bumping into new people and uh, getting them to open for me puts me on the spot because if they're great, I have to follow them and I get to learn from what they do and they get to learn when, what I do and from what I do. And so that's always, always great. It's, you know, it's, it's not like it's some profound, uh, you know, statement, but I, I often do tell people that, you know, comedy is very similar to songwriting, especially when you're a singer songwriter, because it's a very intimate experience. Mm-hmm. They're there to hear something you've written, uh, about your life, about your life. Yeah. It's, it's your take on something. You're hoping everybody gets it. Yeah. And if they do, they're going to clap for you at the end. Yeah. Generally, if people are laughing at you in the middle of a song, unless there's some shtick and stuff in there, that's fine. But but yeah, you're hoping that everybody in the room is going to get where you're coming from and that it lands, you know. Right. Um, I'd say the one difference is that, you know, with comedy and music, nobody wants to hear the same joke over and over again. Whereas with music, <laughs> people want to hear your your, right. your hit over and over again. Yeah. And I think you're also given a little bit of grace, for lack of a better term, of how funny you are in between songs. Because you can always be like, well, I'm not a comedian. I'm a songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is, if you're a humorist, they can handle hearing the story over and over again. If they, if you're, if you're not, if you're more of a comedian or just self self deprecating, you can't get away with it. But if there's a craft and sort of a bigger idea behind the story you're telling and the joke you're about to land, then you can get away with using it over and over again. But there's another one that I was watching. She's an actress. She's really quirky, funny, odd. Amanda. Um, she was on Parks and Rec. I can't remember her last name. But she always does these very awkward talk show moments. You're not talking yes. about Amy Poehler. No, she's younger than Amy Poehler. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, she's probably around 30 now. Okay, I, I can't yeah. remember yeah. her name, but I, I was I've been on a jag watching her stuff as well. Just her interviews because it's all improv. Yeah, 
And she just, she's creating awkward moments on purpose and then just sitting in it. <laughs> yeah. Like Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, between exactly. two ferns. Yeah. 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 It's like, there's, there's like 10 seconds of silence and then, <laughs> and she'll just sit in it uh-huh. rather than try and fill up the awkwardness. She'll sit in it and then the crowd will burst out laughing. <laughs> and there's a certain, that's power. That's yep. a, that's a, a, a great deal of confidence. Mm-hmm. Mark Twain used to go out on stage and when he was touring as, as a humorist and uh, he would go out on stage and he wouldn't say anything. <laughs> he would just wait. He would just sit in silence and stand there until the audience started laughing. And then he'd start the show. And, you know, it's that to have that kind of self-confidence yeah. over the crowd. And this is also it's also all reminding me of Andy Kaufman. And exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Very yeah. much so. And, and those, so yeah. inventive. And I've done jags on Andy Kaufman and seen everything I can on him as well. And, and that really informs my stage shows and then listening to other musicians informs my writing. But, um, cause so much of my stage show is comedy and, and humor and just finding that right balance of how to, you know, do the sensitive songs, but still get people laughing. Cause if you can get that range of tears and laughter and crack somebody down emotionally and then make them laugh mm-hmm. to the, almost to the point of tears, then it's a really three dimensional night for them. And they walk out being altered, you know, mm-hmm. emotionally altered because they've swung to both sides of the spectrum. And and uh, those are the shows I love. Yeah. That's interesting. It's, it, and it, like you said, it's so important as a songwriter to be able to do that, too, because people have to trust you enough to get on board and feel with you. Right. You know, and, and open up back to you. Yeah. You know, and which is hard to do with somebody you've just met and aren't having an actual one on one conversation with. So it's it's an interesting dynamic to have to do that. For yeah. Sure. It's a bit of a date. You know, it's yeah. like if you can make your, your date think and feel and laugh over the course of spaghetti, <laughs> a couple glasses of wine, then you'll get a second date. Yeah. And the idea is to romanticize them enough so that, that whether they're male or female or not, you know, but get enough of that in there that they want to come back for more. Well, yeah. on that note, Ellis, uh, we hope that you will come back for a second date with us at some point over your next 30 years of songwriting. All right. Yeah, we, this has been so special yes. for us. Thanks so much Thanks, for doing yes. this for us. Yeah. Appreciate it. You want to play us out with one? Oh, sure. Um, can we give me a second here to think? Uh, no. Oh, you know, <laughs> we're gonna leave that. We're gonna leave the space in there. Feel the power, Alice. <laughs> so now I've moved from open G base C to open D, and that's how quickly I can do it. Nice. Um, so I have a song here, uh, if I may talk while I'm tuning, please, um, about the life of a songwriter. And it's called The Storyteller's Suitcase, which is... The title song from your latest album. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And this is a situation, the song came to me because I needed a title for the album. And I came up with the title, The Storyteller's Suitcase. I needed a reference point for that song somewhere in the album. And so I decided to write a song called The Storyteller's Suitcase. That Because a lot of this record is really a themed record. So this is a song about the life. (laughs) Uh, I hope I can remember it all. I packed my storyteller's suitcase with a whiskey bottle and no I met poor stool damsels 
Tomcats working a midnight scandal. Take me home, brother. Trouble will be coming along. If you're gonna ride this gypsy box car down the town, singing rhymes, just when you think you're gonna lose yourself, to see your name up on a neon sign. The suitcase home. The storyteller's making the rounds. Oh, he's never gonna settle down. Motels, hotels, 2 a.m. Ringing a stranger's doorbell. Sleeping like Caesar. Sleeping in no barnyard. You'll meet country stars with mini bars, stowaway women laying back in your car, lovers and brothers woven in a midnight dream. If you're gonna ride this poet's highway, friendships are how you keep score. A song is just a skeleton key that can open any. Store. He packed a suitcase home. The storyteller's making the rounds. Oh, he's never gonna settle down. And the towns they roll by a stranger's faces. You come to know by name. Every year they come back again. And again, spotlight. It's a sold out night. Others so empty you can't start a fist fight. Then a crowd of angels walk into a concert hall. It's a circus life. One man, big top, the barker, the lion, the flames. You fall into a hotel pillow, just hoping they'll remember your name. He packed a suitcase home. The storyteller's making the rounds. Oh, he's never gonna settle. Fantastic. Land the dismount. Land that dismount, baby. <laughs> hey, guys, I want, before we go, I want to mention the New England Songwriters Retreat. Please, yeah, please that's, do. That's the retreat I run. It's over Labor Day weekend uh, up in Chester, Connecticut. And we have about 60, 60 attendees and about seven or eight instructors. And uh, it's going to be really good. So check it out. It's newenglandsongwritersretreat.com. And we'll make sure we throw that in the credits too. Um, it'll be up on the song notes and stuff too. Else, another quick question for you on that note. Yeah. You mentioned that you mentor, you'll take songwriters out on the road with you. Yeah. Who are you looking for? How do you find those people? Because I'm sure people listening probably heard that and they're like, holy smokes. Well, you know, they, they got to be great musicians and then they have to be people that interest me to live with for a year. You know, mm -hmm. we're literally 
sometimes sharing hotel rooms and mm-hmm. uh, traveling S- in the car together, it, yeah. you know, and, and uh, to make it work for them. So, you know, I did it with Rebecca Loby and Antje Duvacad and Peyton Tochterman and uh, the list goes on, Seth Glear, um And some people come in and out and, and some people stay with me pretty much for the year, year and a half, two years. It takes me to do every single venue. And uh, so I just keep my eye open mainly um, and uh, wait for those people to arrive. They kind of have a way of coming in on their own. But I, but I work with a lot of songwriters who are up and coming. And uh, there's a great guy named James Lee Baker. Uh, He's living in Colorado. He's he's someone that I'm going to be doing shows with, uh, a woman named Shanna in a dress is how she goes by. Uh, she's <laughs> around 30, very quirky, funny songwriter. Um, you know, those th- those people are on my hit list. And, you know, I'll record songs by these people and put them on my albums too as well to give them kicked a good kick in the butt and get them out the door. So, yeah. Nice. And are you, are you just, are you seeing them as openers? And then you're like, oh, this person... Yep. to me occasionally like, and then people send them to me and uh-huh. say you should consider this guy if you want to you know give him a few openers or take him on the road full time and are you recognizing talent from your classes and songwriters retreats too totally yeah I, cool. I did two two cover songs on the new record are, are from people that were at retreats and uh, one was called election day which is a really great song by mike brown uh, and then a, a, a song called How You Say Goodbye, which is sort of a baseball-themed love yeah. song by Kyle Hancherick, who's 27 and lives in New York and a fantastic songwriter. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm always looking because, you know, I, I, I can look up and I can look, look to Dylan, Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, all my heroes, and, and I, you know, but I don't listen to them that that often because I heard them so much growing up and, and as I was formed forming my own thing so now it's the new people and the, the people i've never heard that that most move me because they're they're brand new to my ears you know mm-hmm. and i'm like holy shit that's cool well yeah. ellis thank you for constantly making stuff that's new to our ears and for moving us well thank you guys man we look forward yeah. to seeing you again yeah. soon thanks right. for coming through yeah good luck with the thanks podcast. so much thank you cheers you've been listening to song divers Thank you for supporting us and our sponsors and all the great independent music makers out there trying to make their way in the music business these days. On the day the levee broke, the water did rise, the flowers did choke. I sat in my living room like one last smoke, then I watched it all drift away. Now my credit card's ringing up at 30%. There's a man in India wondering where the money went, but I can't pay. So I sat on my roof in Lake Pontchartrain, singing woe to my chimney, singing woe to the rain. A stranger came by, never caught his name. He said he's rowing to the Rio Grande. Air Force One, a blue streak in the sky Mr. President, you can't afford to lie Cause I can't afford to pay Hurricane Trailer at night 
Songs we heard in this episode were Take Me Down and Angel in Manhattan from Ellis's Translucent Soul album. We also heard Hurricane Angel from the album The Day After Everything Changed. And we heard Ellis do some great live renditions of I Ain't No Jesus, Slingshot, You Will Never Be This Young Again, and The Storyteller's Suitcase, all from his 2019 release, The Storyteller's Suitcase. We absolutely loved these sessions with Ellis Paul. We hope you did too. Keep your heart growing by visiting ellispaul.com to learn songcraft from Ellis, find links to his music and social media pages, and see where his tour is taking him next. Get any of his 20 records on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere you get your music. And for the current and aspirational guitar players out there, go check out Ellis Paul's Song Factory, available through Truefire, a truly wonderful and genuine guitar education platform. You can find Ellis at Ellis Paul Songs on Instagram, where we think you should go message him about how much you love these episodes. And if you haven't, do us all a favor and go see Ellis Paul when he comes through your own town, and we'll be here when you need to talk to someone about how great it was. Until next time, happy listening, fellow divers. Now on my windowsills a stack of insurance bills A man in Delaware says I can't have the pills until I can pay Hurricane Angel Oh, lifting my eyes over Baton Rouge Lift up your wings Let me hear your voice singing Can you turn these black skies to blue again I'm laying on Anything you want to make sure we stay away from Topic-wise not that I think there's anything crazy in your past, but... Uh, there's that weekend in Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. That's actually right at the top. Oh, Wait a minute. Let me change my notes. Song Divers is a production of Ybor City Records and recorded in the historic Kenwood district of St. Petersburg, Florida.